Hello, Dennis Stewart. Now, last week we talked about supplements that would reinforce our immune system. So just as a starter, you did mention two books, but you certainly mentioned Dr. Cabot's book. Oh, a wonderful book, Jane. Wonderful book. And we mentioned the supplements in that just very quickly that she recommends to strengthen the immune system, selenium, zinc, vitamin C, vitamin D, and a substance known as NAC, N-acetylcholine, the five supplements foundational in Dr. Cabot's book to help strengthen the immune system. And today you're going to follow oh, on from we're, that? We're going to follow on from that because um, I'll touch on uh, Dr. Cabot again, uh, part of her book, when we look at one food particularly uh, that is mentioned in her book that I uh, agree with entirely for strengthening the immune system. But we're going to have a look at uh, a work written by the American Stephen Booner, B-U-H-N-E-R, entitled Herbal Antivirals, Natural Remedies for Emerging and Resistant Viral Infections. Now, it's a very provocative uh, name and a very uh, provocative topic, I guess. But this is one of the most sensible modern works on looking at the potential of medicinal herbs to participate in developing resistance to viral infections. And it's so sensible and so credible and so structured around scientific principles and ideas that I had to battle through it. But it, I wanted to mention the book because I know we've got uh, some of my students in Melbourne, we've got one student in the Darling Downs that listens to this program, and they hang on the books that I mention. And this book, Herbal Antivirals, by Stephen Booner, is a necessary read for anyone who's seriously interested in looking at what I strongly believe in, the way in which herbal medicine is yet to come into its own in strengthening and supporting the biggest confrontation that we have in our day, and that is developing antagonism to many of these viruses that are assaulting us so strongly. Health Naturally on 2NURFM with Dennis Stewart. And we might, Dennis, return to last week when you spoke about Dr Cabot's uh, yes. best foods yes. for yes. boosting immune. Yes. Kerry sent us a message from Nelson Bay. She did. And she asked about your thoughts on taking NAC, yes. uh, 400, mil, mm. mm-hmm, 400 mils daily for mucus yes. that's associated with bronchiectasis. That's a good question. For the sake of listeners, bronchiectasis is obviously a respiratory condition where there is characterised by infection, uh, copious production, usually of a fetid mucus, and a very, very chronic cough. It's a, a very common condition, unfortunately, and mucus is certainly one of the characteristic comp- components of this disease. Cough, uh, purulent mucus, and the idea of using NAC, as it's referred to, as a substance for bronchiectasis is that it is claimed, and I think we mentioned this last week, it is claimed that it has some mucolytic uh, characteristics. That is, it assists in uh, removing, if you like, or lessening the amount of mucus that clings to the surfaces of, of the bronchi. So uh, this last, I wanted to know, 400 milligrams, and I presume that's what she's taking, is adequate to cope with bronchiectasis. 
my sentiments or my comments to Kerry would be, look, if this is what you've been taking uh, and you're getting a benefit from it, who am I to question whether it's adequate or not? Um, my recollection of what is in the book that we we're referring to last week is that this might be towards the upper level, if not above the upper level of what was mentioned. But I come back to the point that if you're using 400 mg's and you're doing well, stay with it. Sometimes, however, exceeding uh, a, a higher level is not necessarily going to give you a better result. Um, I haven't got the reference in front of me here today that I was working with last week, but uh, what I will do, I, uh, I will contact you and uh, confirm the dose range that was mentioned in the reference that we were looking at last week. But I presume already that for your bronchiectasis, you have uh, locked into this substance, which is a very good substance to work with for any, uh, for any chronic mucousy respiratory condition, and I presume the 400 MDs you've been working with is giving you a result. If it is, uh, my, my advice would be to stay with it and not necessarily gravitate upwardly. You may not get a better result uh, than what you're presently getting. Thanks for your question, Kerry, and if you'd like to follow up on that, mm. you could give us a call. So what about Stephen Booner and oh, his look, book? He... he uh, he is, is just remarkable, and I know people say, oh, there's Dennis again talking about a remarkable herbal book, but look, I have oh, hundreds and hundreds of herbal books. All remarkable. All remarkable, <laughs> and, and sometimes, Jane, it's interesting, I will go to one of them, one of them, to get one paragraph, uh, and I know where that paragraph is in that book, and the reason I hang on to it in my library amongst many other hundreds is that that paragraph in that book uh, has meant something very important in my lecturing and emphasises something that no other text has done. And that's frequently what a, what a book does. You can go through it and not find mm, anything new, but then suddenly you'll stumble upon a statement, uh, a, a concept, an explanation, which makes the book worthwhile. And in uh, Boona's case, um, it's a little bit more than that. There is so much new stuff uh, particularly as a blend, if you like, of Asian and also Western herbs. He's an American, but he's well-trained eclectically in herbal medicine. He, he moves from traditional Chinese medicine to Western uh, medicine, herbal medicine, and here and there will even bring in an Ayurvedic herbal medicine remedy. But uh, quite apart from his excellent discussion on appropriate herbs to primarily strengthen the immune system, he has, at the beginning of his discussion on the herbs, uh, has a section that um, deals with uh, strengthening the immune system, and he talks about some very, very simple uh, dietary or food ideas that lock in somewhat with what we were talking about last week. And I thought it was very useful to mention this today, and we'll touch on it. And to NURFM's Health Naturally. Dennis, foods, uh, some of the best foods to mm. support immune health. Could you mm. enlighten us? I, look, I'd love to do that because the last thing I want listeners uh, to think is that um, supplements uh, are the only way uh, to strengthen the immune system. They are a very important component and I have um, no doubt that our mentioning of those supplements uh, from Dr. Cabot's book, is a valuable, very valuable uh, contribution 
to helping us immunologically. But at the end of the day, we must not lose sight of the fact that frequently a lot of those nutrients uh, are found in, in foods, ordinary foods that, uh, that we eat. And sometimes we're not aware of the fact that some foods that we regularly use can have a significant immunosupportive uh, factor about them. And that's what I like about uh, Chapter 6 in Boone's work, where he talks about strengthening the immune system. He doesn't talk about supplements as such. He doesn't talk about vitamins or minerals in isolation as such, good as they are. But he talks about foods and a, and a very brief range of foods, which he considers to be, uh, to use his terminology, some of the foods, the best foods, he says, that support the immune system are as follows. And there's only a handful of them, but I'll quickly go through them and I'll give an interesting example of where one food that is mentioned here or one food preparation actually saved my colleague's life. But he goes through and says, look, uh, regardless of what herbs you're using, um, think of the following foods as useful to be companions, support remedies, or even foundation remedies in building up your immune system. He brings in the idea of using, if you like, fermented products, milk products, particularly yogurt. Now, yogurt has long been known in many cultures as being a health-giving food. In fact, uh, there's a good argument to say that the longevity of the Georgian people in, in Russia can be put down to the fact that uh, they were the exponents and still are the exponents of using sour milk products. Yogurt, he refers to as being a food which should be regularly taken, regularly taken because of the effect that it has on increasing the body's uh, immune functioning. We won't go into it as far as details, but regular ingestion of high quality yogurt and preferably yogurt that is not sweetened, preferably yogurt that is just as it is, a good quality, uh, normal, um, yogurt product that makes nothing more about its reputation than being a good yogurt on a daily basis, as my wife uses it, is a good way, according to Boone, and I concur with this, as getting a food into us on a daily basis that has immunological benefits. He also talks uh, something about the way in which many cultures that have a good health profile place a lot of emphasis on, the, on oats and barley. Now, oats and barley were foods that uh, many of us with our Anglo-Celtic background grew up on. Uh, I can still remember as a kid growing up in Newcastle on winter mornings, my mother would make a, a, a porridge that you could stand your spoon up in. But uh, we grew up on that and, and, and rolled oats and barley in soups. A lot of those things have been forgotten. They're not forgotten in our household, but those two foods, again, considered by Boona uh, to be strongly immunological and supportive of good health. The other thing that he mentions, and there'll be no uh, surprise in this, is that the regular ingestion, particularly of garlic, has consequences that are well known around the world. The regular ingestion of garlic as a food, not necessarily as a supplement, but as a food, has consequences, particularly in counteracting wintertime ailments that manifest themselves in various viral ways. Garlic has numerous reputations. Many cultures in Australia, many racial groups, appreciate garlic more than what we do. We're learning to appreciate it. We shouldn't be embarrassed by it. It's one of the most strengthening foods that we can eat with some of the most natural, 
supportive effects on the body's ability to fight infection. Interestingly, he also talks about the use of what are called selenium-rich foods. Now, last week we looked at Dr. Capot's statements about selenium, and she presented selenium, and I agree with it, as one of the most important uh, minerals that we can take uh, to support a, a very vigorous and healthy immune system. We presented it as an isolated supplement. But selenium can come uh, in numerous sources. One of the best ways of getting a good daily supply of selenium is to eat Brazil nuts. Just eat a couple of Brazil nuts and you get a level of selenium that will literally bowl you over. Also, if you are interested in eating foods like sardines, foods like tuna, uh, and particularly if you're interested in oysters, and I eat a lot of oysters, they will give you very, very high levels of selenium adequate to meet the levels that we've been looking at necessary to support the immune system. Selenium-rich foods, Brazil nuts being a good example, many of the fishes, tuna, sardines, seafood, oysters particularly, are rich in selenium. They should become rich parts of our diet. Also, and this is interesting, um, Berna mentions the role of chicken soup. Particularly chicken soup. Chicken soup. soup. Now, people will say, oh, hang on, chicken soup. Ah, what we've got to realise here is we are looking at the way in which very many traditional cultures, very many traditional cultures have a great regard for the bony components of the chicken. The bony components of the chicken are considered, if you like, in the marrow of the chicken, to have very, very strengthening factors. And in many cultures... Um, chicken soup is seen as a first line of defence against a viral infection, an influenza, something more serious. And it works. This is what Boona says. Rather sarcastically, he says, yes, it does work. Now, people might say, well, what's he talking about? My wife would be able to present a good recipe for chicken soup because we have made it regularly over the years. It's essentially just getting the frame of the chicken and just throwing it into a pot of water. You can throw a bit of other stuff in with it if you like, but Onion. boiling onions, celery, celery um, carrot. Absolutely. And that's what Dr. Gabo does in her book. She presents a lovely uh, chicken soup. Now, chicken soup, as I've said, has health-giving characteristics. It's not a fancy thing. You go to the, the supermarket or the butcher and just preferably get the fr- frame of the chicken and boil it up. Now, I had an interesting experience with this, Jane, recently. <laughs> I, not only did I discover this in this book, surprisingly, and not only did I read it again in Dr. Capo's book, but recently I had a, a Tibetan uh, patient come in to see me. I know his, uh, his dear wife and, and him very, very well. I helped them in, in a very personal way. And um, I asked him how his uh, little girl was uh, going. And he said, oh, she's got a cold at present. I said, oh, has she? I said, it's not serious. Oh, he says, no, we're we're treating it. I said, what are you treating it with? He said, oh, we give her chicken soup. And I thought, (laughs) aha, aha, this is what I needed to know. First line defence. First line defence against a mild viral infection. But then to support the role of, of chicken soup as an undiscovered remedy to help support us immunologically and to fight against a viral infection, say the flu, I had a colleague, or still have the colleague, a very good colleague of mine, 
a pharmacy colleague who was saved, saved by chicken soup. Now, how was he saved? Well, as a younger man, he trekked the Himalayas and he, he was telling me that halfway up a trek in Nepal, he, he fell very, very ill, very ill indeed, and went down with what we would probably call today probably a pneumonia. Mm. And um, he was on the verge of dying, miles away from, from medical help, and uh, the rest of the team continued upwards, but uh, one of the Sherpas was left behind with him and to look after him. The Sherpa went into the village and came back with a chicken that was killed basically in front of him, was, was gutted, uh, the, the feathers were, were plucked from it, and the Sherpa very, uh, in a very compassionate way uh, and saving way went about boiling up the chicken into a soup. And my dear friend, um, Don, um, uh, could, could barely at this stage breathe and was really on his way out. He was high up in the Himalayas and with probably a, a case of pneumonia. And this dear Sherpa went all night and just fed him over and over again a small amount of chicken soup. And according to, to Don, my friend, when he woke the next morning, uh, he was incredibly relieved. Uh, his breathing had been restored considerably. The fever that he had had dissipated uh, and he, he was able then to be taken down the mountain to get medical attention. There is a case of where what we would laugh at as being just folklore needs to be respected. Many traditional foods, many traditional foods have potent immunological benefits helping us fight infection. In this case, here's a dear a Tibetan friend of mine who treats his little girl with the same soup that he used in Tibet before he fled as a refugee. And there is Don, my friend, whose life was saved with chicken soup. Here's my dear wife, who's probably saved my life with chicken soup. <laughs> and here are two references extolling the virtues of it. There's a couple of the foods that have been mentioned. We'll touch on it in a moment again. To NURFM's Health Naturally and Dennis Stewart, we have Arthur on the line from Budgiewoy. Arthur, uh, talking about breakfast has got you thinking, yes? Hi there. Hello, then, Arthur. How are you, Arthur? I'm very good, thanks. Good, Look, good. I've suffered with colitis for oh, 40 years, I suppose, yes. and I'm pretty well under control now. Good. But I'd like to tell you that what I do, I generally have a tablespoon of oat bran, yes. half a wheat beef, yes. uh, three t- tables, uh, dessert spoons full of porridge, raw yes. porridge, yes. cornflakes, and uh, a half a banana. And you know what? It's improved my colitis so much. Isn't that, that lovely? I, could have thought, I couldn't believe that you could eat three spoonfuls of porridge without cooking. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. and, and you can. Of course you can. What, what, you say, what you say, Arthur, doesn't surprise me because uh, oats uh, comes across in many foods. It might interest listeners to know that the uh, original muesli which was developed by the Swiss doctor, Dr. Berke Benner, uh, it, it was based on uh, rolled oats that was soaked in a small amount of water overnight, into which was then blended a grated apple, a small amount of yogurt, 
and was uh, topped off with some lemon juice. But the use of the crude, uncooked rolled oat was the basis of that food, mostly, which revolutionised uh, breakfast foods. Now, using it in the form that you're using, it doesn't surprise me either because uh, oats, as well as being a nutritional food, has a significant amount of what we call soluble fibre. And soluble fibre is a soothing, healing fibre that regulates uh, transit time through the bowel and uh, eases the tendency for inflammatory activity. So what you say there doesn't surprise me. What you're looking at is the nutritional benefit of, of the oat, uh, but you're also looking, by way, way of taking it as a food, you're also getting that other virtue that makes it a soothing against inflammatory conditions of the large bowel. Well done. And thank you for sharing that with us, Arthur. Uh, Sue is on the line now. Sue, nah, chicken broth has got you thinking, hasn't it? Yes, it has. Hello, everybody. Hello, Hello Dennis. How are you, Sue? Oh, well, thank you. Good, Look, good. Um, 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 a European lady yes. uh, in my mid-60s, yeah. four adult children and five grandchildren. Wow, good idea. The minute, the minute they get a sniffle, it's grandma yeah. or baba. Yeah. Can you make some chicken soup yeah. for us, please? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wonderful, wonderful. Well, I look. can swear by it. It's the most. It's the best. It's the best medicine for them. Have you got any particular recipe, or is it just as I said? Just, just throw in. Just as your lovely wife yeah. was saying, Dennis. Yeah. Um, go and get the carcass of the chicken. Yeah. I, I actually yeah. use the whole chicken. Yes. I, I put the meat yes. in it and just yep. Um, yep. cook it up and put some veggies in it, and then lots of noodles. Yeah. And I tell you what, it's gone in a day. It is indeed. <laughs> that's very. That's very similar. The recipe you mentioned there to the recipe in Dr. Cabot's book. And uh, look, I'm so glad you rang in, Sue, because this reiterates what I've been been trying to say, that many cultures around the world use chicken soup uh, to achieve the benefit that you spoke about there. Correct, uh, And I'm glad to see that in a a country like Australia, now that's much more multicultural than what it was when when I was growing up, that this sort of traditional stuff is starting to be circulated. And even listeners today, hopefully, will take on board what you've said and what I've said and see that when they start to get crooks, so to speak, Go yes, and make yes. some. Go and make some chicken broth. Doesn't matter what. Else, doesn't matter what else you're taking. It won't clash with it. But by no, gee, it no, will certainly I, speed up. <laughs> it is absolutely. Look, Dennis, I I have a supply in my freezer at any old time wow. because whenever they get the sniffles, like I said, even my grandchildren, yeah, yeah. they just call out and and they live in Sydney, but they yeah. come and visit, and and even from Sydney, they say. Yeah. Baba, can you please bring some chicken soup? <laughs> oh, you've made you've made my day, sir. You've made my day. I thought I thought listeners would think that I was going a little bit simple when I was no, talking about no. chicken soup having having the immunological benefits. Good the on you, sir. You hang on to it. That's wonderful. And, you, and the yogurt. <laughs> yogurt. The yogurt. Oh well, there you Absolutely. go. Absolutely. Yeah, I can remember. I can remember, sir, as a young man, um, discovering a lot of this health literature. And as a young man with virtually no money in my pocket and studying engineering as a trainer engineering in engineering student, I used to go down to the sanitarium health food store just to, uh, across the road from Wynyard Station and they'd dole out uh, a, a glass full of this pure yoghurt. My, my, my mouth still waters thinking about it. It was worthwhile walking to go and get this, 
uh, yogurt, genuine yogurt, at a time, by the way, when yogurt eating in Australia wasn't very popular at all. It was the sanitarian people that were mix that were producing it and making it available in a very simple form. You'd sit down, they'd bring over this lovely big glass of uh, of yogurt. You could put a bit of honey on it if you wanted to. That was my introduction to yogurt, a food that uh, we still revere and have raised our kids on it. And uh, I don't need to tell listeners that it's one of the best foods you can eat. And if you haven't started using yogurt, well, take a hint from today's program, take a hint from Sue and myself, get some chicken soup and top it up with some yogurt. Ah, it's excellent. <laughs> we always like to sort out the menu suggestions for tonight, Dennis. Uh, on the line now is Chris, who's rung in from Newcastle. Chris, you've got a question about cholesterol. Yes, Dennis, how are you? I'm very well, Chris. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Been a bit immobile, so my cholesterol's gone up a bit because okay. I'm not exercising as much. It's okay. about six point six, and I don't want to go on medication because yes. of the side effects. Yes, yes, yes. Two questions: yeah. Is it a good thing to avoid medication for cholesterol, and um, is there anything natural I can take in substitute? Because I'd rather do that. Okay. The first thing, and I'm sure your good doctor would have told you this, is that um, uh, physical exercise, lifestyle modification is always the best way of approaching what would seem to be, in your case, moderately elevated cholesterol levels. Um, so I would say that you're in a situation where you have a good possibility of reducing that 6.6 down to about 5.6 in, in a very uh, reasonable period of time with some non-medical approaches. Let me just stay, say... I'm not opposed to a medical approach. I was talking to a client this morning in my rooms at New Lambton that came in and was uh, talking to me exactly about her moderately elevated level of cholesterol. And I made a recommendation to her, which I'll talk to you about in a moment. But uh, uh, she said she went on to say that her husband's cholesterol level uh, was up to about nine. I said, well, your I said, I hope your husband is on medication for that. Oh, she said he is. I said, because that is a condition or a level of cholesterol that is unlikely to respond too much right. to lifestyle yeah. medication or natural med medication. So what I'm saying right. now is for people out there who have been told by their GP, look, you've got to do something. You're heading in a, direc in a direction where medication will have to be thought of. One of the things that you uh, really need to take on board is the role of a particular fibre. Now, oat, oat bran has a substance in it called beta-glucan. Right. B-E-T-A-G-L-U-C-A-N, beta-glucan. Now, you can, yeah. you can go to your pharmacy and you can purchase a product that is virtually known by that name. I won't mention oat, the name of the brand, product. Is it? it is a particular... Uh, preparation of oat bran and the, right. the, the package on it is very informative and in very significant and, uh, and believable terminology makes the claim that it can lower cholesterol. Now you can't make that cholesterol, in a, make that claim in Australia on a product like this unless it has been approved by the regulatory authorities. So right. this, this in my opinion is a very credible um, uh, product which I know works because I've been uh, recommending people to try uh, the beta-glucan in uh, a particular oat brand product for a period of time. It comes in a very easy form, little satchels of the, uh, of the product 
one satchel being taken a day, has demonstrated in my practice, particularly with levels like that, that over a period of months, three, four months, you can generally get it down by a unit. So I would be saying to start off with, uh, go to your pharmacy or your health food store and get hold of that product and start taking that religiously. That is not just occasionally, but religiously. You've got to, you've got to do that because it, it, it represents a soluble form of fibre which is very well known as to the methodology as to how it lowers cholesterol level. That's principle, principle number one. The other thing is that there are a number of, of, of herbs that are particularly useful. The, one of the leading herbs is, is a herb called globe artichoke. Now, globe yeah. artichoke is also a vegetable, but the herbal component of it is based on, on the leaf structure. It's a very bitter-tasting herb, but you can also purchase it in liquid extract form. It is highly recommended, again, for what I call moderately elevated levels of cholesterol. There are two ways, simple, inexpensive, that are in your ballpark, so to speak, to seek to get this down to satisfy your doctor's concern. That together with, together with, a little bit more interest uh, in your lifestyle, a bit of exercise, a bit of weight loss, should do the trick for you. Yeah, because I've had a broken leg and I haven't been able to walk. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yep. and... Um, it's just gone a bit through the roof, you know. So yeah. how do you take that? Just put it on the wheat mix and stuff. Pretty well, that, pretty well, pretty well, pretty well. Get hold of the product and you'll see what I mean. It's got little satchels of the product in it and you take one satchel per day. And this is Health Naturally with Dennis Stewart on 2NURFM. Graham, we have on the phone at the moment. He's rung in from Chamhaven. Graham, uh, you're interested in thinking about, well, how you can help with celiac disease, yes? Yeah, that's correct. Good afternoon, uh, Dennis. Hello, Graham. How are you? Good, thanks. Very good, good to speak with you. Thank you. Graham, you, you've been... I was, di- I was diagnosed with celiac four years ago. Yes. Now, I've been on a whole food diet, but it's very difficult yes. because you've got to check most labels of product. Yes. Now, I was just asking, you were speaking about yogurt before. I just wanted to get a bit of an understanding whether that would be beneficial for me. Okay. Glu- yeah. uh, celiac disease is usually associated with gluten intolerance. That's right. And yeah. so you'd have to be very cautious about uh, having anything with, uh, with gluten in it. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't think, I wouldn't think that uh, yogurt would fit into that category. Oh, I see. Yo- yeah. Yogurt is 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 a, is a dairy product, yeah. and as far as I'm aware, it, it would not be something contraindicated for people with uh, a celiac condition. Oh well, that's good. See, at the moment, I'm uh, on a multivitamin. Like you uh, talked about selenium earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a great product. You yeah. talk about rolled oats, and we grew yeah. up on that too. Mum, <laughs> mum used to soak them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Soak them overnight. Overnight, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, I haven't been able to do that because you get a cross contamination. Yes. Oats are in the same silo yes. as wheat, barley, yes, or rye. Correct, correct, correct. Now I've taken, um, I've been taking slippy elm powder tablets. Yes. For the gut. Yes. And I was on the uh, aspergillus eight. Yes. For a month or stay, I yes. think it was, but yes. I've, I've gone off that okay. at this point. What uh, probiotic would you suggest? 
well, uh, keep my gut health in order. Well, look, probably the cheapest would be a good quality yogurt. I see. Okay. Well, wherever, wherever, uh, wherever possible, wherever possible, uh, and particularly when you, particularly if you're on a budget, look to those foods which contain, uh, you know, therapeutic principles. And um, uh, yogurt contains acidophilus, which is a probiotic substance. So. I would think that uh, you you structure that into your diet in order to get the probiotic effect. Well, I mean, I'm not opposed to using probiotics as a supplement. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. but uh, sometimes some of the supplements that we might like to use are pretty expensive, and uh, and not everyone can afford uh, even some of the ideal supplements. Try to get it in your tucker. I think I think using some yogurt would be good enough. That's my opinion. Yes, well, I've been um, you know, trying to maintain you know, a healthy regime of my eating and such. Good on you. So, Good on you. And I'm finding not too bad, but I do get a few aches and pains and what have you, but uh, the gut's an important part of the uh, whole health thing, I think. From what you've been telling me, you're not doing too badly, Graham. Sounds excellent. Look, thanks for your call, and let's hope that gives you um, something to work on. And uh, Mick has rung in from Mark's Point. Now, Mick, you've been recently diagnosed with low iron count. Yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, Dennis, I love your show. Thank you, Mick. I listen to it every time I get the chance. Thank you very much. Mick, you've been diagnosed with uh, low levels of iron, have you? Yes, that's okay. correct. I had a blood test. Yes. And, uh, okay. Now, let me. Let, you, you probably, you probably, your doctor has initiated this, but uh, any low iron can always ask questions about: uh, Are you a meat eater? Um, if you, do you eat meat? Yeah, yes, okay. yes. When I get the chance. Oh, okay. When you get the chance, all right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, the other thing about it is, uh, and your doctor probably asks you: Are you bleeding from anywhere? Uh, yeah, I have a, yes, yeah, I bleed, yes, okay. uh, on occasion. Okay. And is this hemorrhoidal bleeding? Yes, correct. Okay. Look, um, did your doctor suggest any further investigation or uh, to use an iron supplement? Um, well, the procedure I'm going in for yes. is a two-year two, two, uh, procedure. Yes, and uh, and and banding will happen uh, then. Yeah. Okay. So you're going in for colonoscopy, are you? Correct. Okay. And the banding procedure will take place then. Look. Correct. I I think that has every chance of resolving uh, this condition for you. In other words, you've answered my question. Your low iron count would seemingly be associated with this um, hemorrhoidal condition. Your doctor's right on the job. Having the procedure. Uh, to check the the colon to make sure that there is no other factors contributing to the bleeding, and then having the banding done, that's good medicine. I think once you get that sorted out, you'd be pretty right, Mick. Excellent. All the very best with that. Dennis, time is flying. Oh, and I didn't finish my little discussion. We'll mention that quickly next week, a couple of other interesting foods that might be uh, useful in this process of building our immunity and then we look at one or two herbs which we haven't touched on yet. Which may well of course be really useful for us as well. And you can catch the podcast of Health Naturally later on on to nurfm.com.au Look forward to your company next week. 
Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>